is waiting on fries. That you don't get it. You don't. What do you mean you don't get waiting on fries? Hopefully the customer never hears waiting on fries. But all this time on the entree and it's perfectly executed, and then you're it's like, ready Fuck, to go. I forgot to fire the fries. I just always use that when I forgot to put somebody's order in, and I was like, hey, I'm just waiting on the fries. It's gonna be two more minutes. Realistically, I come back 10 minutes with the food. Exactly. <laughs> they just know that their food's not there in the service, so they're still waiting on fries. I guess we're just waiting on fries. <laughs> hey, guys, I just got a notification that it's time for Waiting on Fries podcast to record. Yo, we're doing it, bro. But before we get into it, I'm still really excited about NewYorkPrimeBeef.com. NewYorkPrimeBeef.com. That's, that's pretty throwback. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't done that in a while. Had it. What's the code? <laughs> Code is FRIES15, that's FRIES15, get 15% off your whole order at NewYorkPrimeBeef.com, $200 order or more gets you free shipping on awesome. the best steaks, you can get burgers, some get sausages, some, some hot dogs, awesome. and All the crab the cakes, stuff. don't forget about the crab and cakes. And the crab cakes promotion. You know, Nooms yeah. loves the crab cakes. The crab yeah, cakes, are, crab cakes know, are good. You can't go wrong with crab cakes. Exactly. All right, New you got to get a little surfing tour action going. New, New, New YorkPrimeBeef.com. Promo code FRIES15 at checkout. Guys, did you see this uh, DoorDash video? The, the video wo- of the upset delivery driver? No, explain this to me. This woman is uh, working as a DoorDash driver. She delivers food to a customer. Uh, the customer pays her for the food. But instead of that being the end of the transaction, end of the interaction. Wait, that's what's supposed to happen. They exactly, pay for like food and then they you drop get the, the food. food off. You get the food. You eat the food. What but happened? No, no, no. So this woman stood outside and demanded that the customer come outside and increase the tip that he had already given her. What? And luckily, this was all caught on a ring door cam, so, you know, it was saved for the internet to see forever and ever. What is a ring? What, what is, why does everybody have a ring door cam? I kind of want one. Literally, well, everybody has a ring door it's cam. It's obviously for reasons like this. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, clearly. <laughs> uh, I think you can screen your, like, guests to your house. Yeah, and you know, I think you also want to nice. make sure that nobody's stealing your packages, maybe. That too, yeah. I think these things come in handy in those senses. Probably helps pretend or prevent break ins. So, what did uh, Anum, what did this lady say? Oh, man. Well, she just demanded that the guy come outside and speak to her. And the guy reasonably asked why. And she said, well, are you aware of the tip that you gave me? And the guy was like, yeah, it's $8. She's like, yeah, I don't think you know that that's not enough. That's like outrageous, right? Eight. Do- Wait, she's complaining about an $8 tip? She's complaining tip? about an $8 tip. Number one, $8 is a pretty decent tip. for $8 a is a driver. solid delivery. Yeah. Delivery it didn't look tip. like she was carrying multiple bags of food, so I think it was a standard order for one or two people. Here's the problem, though. You have a company that is trying to get so big so quickly, and I think just you discussed it last time where DoorDash came to you at some point, and they were kind of doing some odd things to get business at one point. And yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> now as they're trying to grow, now they're a publicly traded company, all eyes on them, all their financials are out in the open for everybody to see. The problem is... That as they're growing now as this national company, they they need employees. And are they just taking on anybody that signs up? Almost like Uber did at first. You remember when you could get picked up in an Uber and the car was like green or the car was purple? Like they didn't care what color the car was. I still now, don't think they care what color the car is. Have you seen another color Uber that's not black or gray? Yeah. What? Yeah. Is, you guys in a lot of like, Ubers right now? Like uh, white? Yeah. All right, red. we're going to further research this. I'm going to post something on the on the or Instagram. red, even. Yeah, but some red ones. with that, just signing people up and not really going through maybe their history. I don't know, are people unstable? You don't know who's coming to deliver your food. And this is like one of Just's biggest fears and why internally he's got his own delivery service. Well, we have, yeah. I mean, yeah, you use <laughs> supplementally. So, right? it's not why we have our own delivery service. We have the delivery oh, service first. Correct. But it's why we would prefer people use our own delivery service. Got it. And with that, though, all right, so this lady rolls up after driving however far. She made it sound like it was pretty far. She made it sound like it was deep. She she said, yeah, she didn't didn't say exactly how far she traveled. She was like, traveled. how far? She mentioned the two towns, but then, you know. It wasn't far towns. If you do a little digging, it's about a 12-minute drive. Yep, but if you're sitting during traffic time on a highway... You're really eating it, especially in Long Island. But don't you know where you're going before you pick up the order? You know. I believe so. But so I don't understand. Did she? So she's a DoorDash. Well, I don't know if we. A DoorDasher. It, it was DoorDash? Yeah. That's confirmed? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's DoorDash, right? So she picks up the order. Don't they know where they're going and how much the tip is prior to taking the order? I believe like so. Like prior to picking it up? Yeah. So There's why no would option. she pick it up? 
like you don't they don't you, have yeah, to pick you can up the order. To decline so order. she looks at it and says Oh, it's so far for eight dollars. I don't think it's worth it. You Why can't did decline. she take it? Just to no. You can't decline. Same with yeah. Uber. You don't decline. But can't you see before you pick it up? No. Otherwise, people would just pick and choose who they pick up. Well, like, I'm so only picking I did up some digging and I was looking on the uh, DoorDash Reddit, and you can pick and choose. There's people who go around and only deliver, you know, the orders that seem financially reasonable. How can them. you even get away with that? Yeah, because you can you can decline orders because yeah. guys will come here sometimes, and I'll they come early. It says you know order be ready in 20 minutes. They're here in 10, and then they're. They're like, so I don't I'm wait. picking up for Joe, and I'm like, it's another 10 minutes. They don't want to wait, so they just dump the order, and someone yeah. else comes and picks it up. So you could what? definitely do that. Yeah. That's right. actually happened to me before. We ordered food from this place. It was taking a long time to get made. The guy showed up. The food wasn't ready. He called us, and they said that it wasn't ready. Do you want me to wait? We're like, yeah, wait. And like five minutes later, he just canceled it. That's absurd. No, they don't can't. Well, well that's no. a different thing. They can all, but I'm saying they just drop the order. It yeah, and get canceled. Else someone else yeah, picks it no. up. The, he, this guy was able to cancel the order. We had to go pick up our food. I think a lot of these people that are doing these odd jobs right now to make ends meet and pick up a little bit of extra cash, they maybe don't even come from a world of, you know, customer service or hospitality in which, you know, we've done this our whole lives, essentially, where they don't understand even that that's not okay. Like, I've even seen, if you're honestly, angry. I've seen this one kid, he's like, got to be 12 years old, and he's picking up Uber Eats orders. That's awesome. Get money early. Whose I mean, social <laughs> uh, security card no, are you using to do this job? Agreed. Hustle all day, but it talks into your point that you're making right now that there's no way this kid has experience of dealing with hospitality at all. Yeah, yeah didn't we just also say something with the kid that was delivering service? Uh, he was de- doing deliveries and it was raining and asked the person to come out and get it from yes, them, that was, like in the middle of the that rain. That was a, a former driver. <laughs> so uh, it's emphasis on the former. Not everybody's cut out to do these things that are very hospitable. And for you running up to a door and demanding $8, when you know damn well that that order, even if it was for like just two people, that order was probably 60 bucks as it was. Um, if that much. You know, yeah, correct. If that much. And so what, well, I mean, what happened with this lady? Did she. Oh, I, I don't believe, think we got follow up. Yeah, I, I, I believe that they said that DoorDash uh, cut ties with the woman. But. No, I mean, did he did he give her more tip? Did she leave no, the no, food? He, she um, she ended up taking the food back. She took the food back. She took yeah, the food back the to the restaurant. Yeah. So, so she she came, was so upset with the tip. Complained about the tip. Yeah. And then, then drove back. Wasn't to the happy with, with his response, so she left and took the food. Yeah. That is wild. That's uh, like it must mean that she also took the money too, right? I don't think she left the money on the doorstep. Well, I'm sure that the guy complained and they canceled DoorDash yeah. and they had to rec- uh, rectify that in some some way. But that's just wild. That's the equivalent of an employee just walking out in the middle of a shift. Kind of, yeah. And, you know, that's something that happens all the time, too. And what do you do if an employee just walks out in the middle of a shift? I say bye. Yeah. How do you know that they actually walked out and didn't just go blow well, typically, off some steam? Typically, I mean, if they walk out the door, that's them walking out. Well, that's, you know, that's a How do you perspective. Not know? <laughs> that's a perspective of, no, so slow down here, right? Because not every... I mean, we don't have a lot of employees hanging around that we don't need. So if someone left, we I mean we're speaking we're clearly speaking about the before yeah. times. You would know, yeah, I, I yeah. get that. But I think about all the countless bars that we've worked in, or I've, I've worked in, where it's you are kind of your own boss. Yeah, there's people that are up the chain, but they're not actually there, like telling you what to do. Your job is to take care of the guests, the customers, and but you probably get don't, the drinks going. You probably don't walk. People probably don't walk out of that. No, I've done that a few. I've done that a few times, like blow off steam in the middle of a crazy shift where there's layers of people in front of you know the point of the bar, and you just, you just walk out. You, gotta out. Walk. you just leave, cut, you cover my home? section. I'm out and walk out and take a little breather. You know, oh, you kind of take a breather. Break, but that's different. Than is it like a scheduled break or like there's no the... scheduled break in bars? That doesn't exist. This is like that's a restaurant thing. Well, so there's differences that we happen can get out into here. that. There is if you're union, but. Fucking union, that would be great. Yeah. Find a union. Can I get in the bar but union? No, so, wait, what you're talking about is different. I'm talking about literally walking out and not coming back. Yeah. But the question is, like, you only know that they're not coming back until they don't show up to the end of the shift no, anymore. Well, no, well, what you're saying is, like, if you walk out and take a break, but you're communicating with somebody saying, like, hey, listen, I'll be back. Like, maybe the guy next to me where I go, I'm out of here, without saying I'm coming back. Well, for the most well, part, so if, if you you're taking that, a break, you well, should say, I'm taking a break. Or you probably at least went to like a fellow server or a bartender and was like watch my section for a minute i'm gonna i'm gonna step out right or or step out and not step back in possibly who knows yeah but if you tell but what happens is right if, you say young I, I gotta grab a stogie or something and you tell your server or bartender like watch watch this watch this section for a minute yeah, I gotta and take it's it. like i gotta get a breather absence 
if someone's looking around saying, where'd Jay go? Where'd Jay go? Somebody knows. Somebody said, oh, yeah, take, you know, he stepped Yo, out for a He bit. looks yeah. super pissed. I will tell you a story. <laughs> we, had a, we had a dishwasher here once. Oh, Nooms knows where too. I'm going. Yeah. Is this the one you were, gonna, you were <laughs> yeah. about to tell the same story? This is we a had story. a dishwasher once. And was it 4th of July? It was, uh, it was either 4th of July or Memorial Day. Yeah, it like was that. one of those holiday weekends. Crazy, like, dumb busy. And it was a, the street fair going on outside, so I know I was outside. Oh, so it was a block party night. Yeah, 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 so it wasn't a holiday. It was just a normal... It was a block party, so it was crazy busy. Dude just, like, gets his stuff and walks out. Like, we just saw him... disappears. Grab his backpack. Well, some people saw him. I didn't apparently. see him get his backpack. I just looked over at the dish pit and all of a sudden... Yeah, and he, he was gone. There. And it was busy, so we didn't, like, stop and look. Maybe he just, you know, maybe he went to the bathroom or whatever. No. But then after a little while, there was dishes piling up. And we're like, yo, anybody see where... Uh, What's his name? What? <laughs> and it wasn't really time to discuss it at that point. Yeah, we just started washing dishes. And he never came back. He just like left. <laughs> and I think that I mean that's, it's. So, I mean, when I'm you do that, there's different. no question. There's yeah. no question about yeah, it. Yeah, like you're. Yeah, gone. I'm not. I'm not gonna say it's I think different. He quit. And yeah. <laughs> if you're holding up if he like did a it, he's pinnacle fired. foundation <laughs> of a place, like yeah, people are gonna notice that you just disappeared. Yeah, but I mean, like if a bartender disappears, you're yeah, gonna notice. Well, it. You would There's notice no if a bartender rules, just right? left and never came back. Bartending in a bar bar is kind no of wild westish. Like there's rules, but there's not rules. But you to can't some leave extent. and never come back. So you could maybe <laughs> leave and you're f- furious because something happened, and like yeah, you'll cool off and you come back after a while, and like you can't if you're the only person behind the bar. <laughs> well, then that's a different situation. Like but you can't just be what the you're only one. Just leave. What you're saying is different than what I'm saying. This yeah. is the only dishwasher, and he left in the middle of service. <laughs> yeah, so the dishes start piling right. up. It wasn't like quickly. in between service. It was like seven o'clock. Yeah, like and plates were coming left. into the kitchen, and people needed. And he plates. also didn't come back. Right. There wasn't no another dishwasher either. to like pick it up or anything like that. Yeah. You're talking about a situation if you're one of two or one of three bartenders, it's just like putting a little more strain on the other bartenders for a minute and then you come back and catch up or whatever. So look at the gray area though too. <laughs> what if they're like a great employee and they just had this breakdown where they just like walked out? You're I severing never, ties right there? Yeah. yeah. You walk out in the middle of service and say nothing, so like, you're it. done. I don't care. What? Yeah, but think about maybe your <laughs> nah. best employee yeah, that you My had. best employee wouldn't, wouldn't do that. Wouldn't do that. Exactly. No, that's not the hypothetical. The hypothetical is take your all-star employee yeah, that's fired. helped you with every single thing yeah. and they have a mid breakdown outside you're not even going to question yeah, afterwards no, and if, you like, have, if you have a breakdown with no communication and you just leave yeah, like that's you're it fired. and don't come because back ever I, I no longer can count on you for yeah. anything yeah you're fired tough crowd guys i was very yep. professional you're fired <laughs> very black and white <laughs> it was very professional Out, outside of like the only exception is if something like catastrophic happened but either yeah. way you'd most likely communicate like some shit went down i gotta go yeah, you know? or you're you're fired now, and then tomorrow when you tell me about the catastrophic event that occurred, then maybe we yeah. can talk about it. Right, sure. right. That's the only way. It's the only it's way. The only way. But otherwise, you're fired. Anybody at Smokehouse listening here, take those notes, okay? <laughs> uh, you know what? Though they always come back for the paycheck. They always come back. Well, for the last you got year. it. He you came back. It. That same guy he came back like Tuesday. We got paid, and he walks in. He's like, oh, "Here, pick, pick up my check." <laughs> I believe he and only worked well that one yeah, day. Too. That people people day. always go, oh, that guy's never coming back. And we're like, we'll see him on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. He'll be here. <laughs> uh, what about the other issue that we're having right now, too, with the tables and people hanging out for extended amounts of time when we kind of have to flip some things out here? So this is, this is fresh for me because uh, last Saturday I had, um, we had some bar guests and we had one table. I got here at 3.15 on Saturday afternoon and both the bar guests and table had already been here. I guess they opened their checks slightly before I walked in this before I walked in the door. And at nine forty five when we did the you know curfew last call, I had to ask those patrons to leave. The same ones are there. So they were there for seven hours. Safe to say they're fans of Smokehouse. I don't know if they're you know fans of Smokehouse or they just got a little too comfortable. Got sat there or whatever. I mean, they clearly were enjoying themselves. Exactly. That's but I mean. the, the issue at hand was they were there for seven hours. And for the most part, in the real world, we could absorb something like that. If one person parks at the bar for all night, we have other bar seats. If one table is camping all night, you know, we have you know, some other seats we can work around. But being in the 50% capacity that we're already in, yep. you know, that kind of defeats all of our workable, workable seating area. So all that real estate becomes really important. Um, so I got into a situation where, you know, I was able to manage and put some people on weight and 
get people in and out of the door, but I felt like I could have turned. I don't feel like I know that I could have turned the bar seat probably four times during that service, and I could have turned the table at least twice. So that's a lot of potentially lost or lost revenue that you're talking that's, about. Yeah, and that's tough. Well, was this a Sunday? It was a Saturday, Saturday. night. It was a Saturday night, and it, and it was and the the checks were not reflective of the time. Of spent. The time. So there was a four top, and there for seven hours, and their check was like two hundred bucks. People uh, on the bar side, be like seven hundred dollars. People on the bar side on the like sports bar type of spaces on Sundays feels like New Blood would always be like really excited to work football Sunday. Like, oh, it's football Sunday. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Gonna crush it. And then when everything's said and done, you realize you didn't really make that much money. You also didn't really do anything either. Once the place fills up, it's filled up. And then everyone's sitting for like four hours straight. You can only drink so many beers. You can only eat so much food. So you're really just sitting watching the game. I hate working football. To me, it, it makes absolutely no sense. Uh, unless you just want to watch the game, right? And then you're getting paid to watch the game, kind of. Because you, these are the shifts that Jay would have just walked out on. Yeah, I would have. Yeah, I would have easy walked out. No, yeah. but I, I paid my dues and done these shifts until I could pass it off to somebody else that thought it was lucrative. Like, uh, but for the most part, like, yeah, all right, you're getting more out of business into a bar, but also you can only flip something so much. You know, what's the average person over a four-hour period of time spending in the bar? Maybe a hundred bucks. Maybe. A little bit more than that. If they're getting oh, shots. Yeah, over four hours, somewhere like that. I mean, you can. It depends on what they're doing too. Like if you're sitting there for a while and you're out, like having drinks. If you're here from, if you're here at three o'clock and you're still here at nine thirty, I would assume you <laughs> ate both a late lunch and a and dinner, dinner at some yeah. point, right? Like order another round of food. Like if you're that long, I mean, and that's a dramatic. Do most, you know what this specific check was? Yeah, it was two hundred and twenty dollars. Okay. And like so they had stopped, like I was watching the but table. That's for four for seven but, hours. But you know, like, hours, but like, six hours? Yeah. Seven. But, oh, four people. Four people. Oh, okay. That's not acceptable. Yeah. You know, and what, <laughs> and what had happened was they basically came in for a late lunch and then we're just hanging out talking and like enjoying each other's company for the whole night. And, but they weren't, like, you would almost think that they were excessively drinking or something. And I would, yeah. and I would have had to cut them off for being intoxicated, but they were not. They were just- No, I had to keep running <laughs> over and see if I could get them more drinks. <laughs> like, so the, my question became, is it is it impolite or rude or disrespectful or unhospitable to you know move these people off a table at this point and say like, hey, you know, you've been here for six hours. You <laughs> totally. gotta, you gotta- you I think gotta after move. six hours it's warranted. So that's what we, we fell on the fact that, especially if you came during lunch service, and now it's dinner service. It would it would not be out of out of the ordinary to approach a table and say, "Hey, just to let you know, we have some dinner reservations for this table. We are going to need it, you know, in the next 20 minutes or so. You know, if you guys could try to wrap it up." And then at the bar, because the bar is a little different, I think it's things a little you know, more fluid at the bar. It's a, it's a little more fluid, and I think people expect the leniency of being able to just like hang out at the bar for a while if they want, if they're watching whatever whatever's on the tv you know without judging what we did was we just put little cards um your similar to, not <laughs> now your time's up but it's just like a reminder card and it says you know due to the current seating capacities we would appreciate you keeping your visits at 90 minutes so that we could try to accommodate other guests that may be waiting for a seat those and go up automatically now yeah we just put them in front of the seats That's polite. we don't say anything about it yeah. and we also don't like at 90 minutes, we don't come and say 90 minutes is up. You got to get out. Yeah, it's just a little like, it's, don't be a trash person. Subconscious, <laughs> correct. You know, try to try to remember that you're. You I'm know. I'm with that a lot, and I think yeah. that most places too that I was seeing were doing 90 minutes and making it very apparent that it was 90 minutes at the hostess stand. Yeah. Uh, over the but course listen, of the entire the part, summer. I, that's the part I didn't want to get into. I know. Like, yo, you got 90 minutes. You come. Yo, you got 10 minutes. Get, get out of here. Yeah, I think if you sucks. just kind of manage it correctly. Yeah, you know, totally. and and at seven o'clock you can go. If table's been here at three o'clock, it's seven o'clock. Okay, you can go up to them and say, "Hey, I got some reservations for dinner. I'm gonna need you a table." But you're really only gonna get like you can't do that at eight thirty because now we're only talking about one more turn. So you're really just talking about that dinner service that you could do that at the table. Yeah, sure. You know, because you're not gonna turn it more if you get a seat at seven thirty. You're not really gonna turn it one more time before the curfew. Yeah, I I agree to that. Anyway. We've got Jessica Hajastilianos. Did I say that right? Yeah, you're pretty close. 
We're going to we're going to talk a little bit differently. You know, we've been so heavy talking about chef work and things in the restaurants that we forget that there's so many other sides of this industry that exist. What do you mean there's other sides? Yeah, there's way more sides, dude. There's so many sides to this. There's life outside the kitchen? He yeah. can't see outside the kitchen. So he I doesn't can't. even realize there's anything out there. There but, isn't. Like but I give you food and you eat it though, right? Yeah. <laughs> precisely what you're saying. Exactly. But there are so many other points of this hospitality industry and where do you think we get all our booze from, guys? Magical. me. Yeah. There you go. She's been supplying <laughs> booze all over this tri-state area, probably plus more over the course of how long now? Uh, it's going to be 10 years. It's crazy. What a journey. And let everybody know, you know, right now you're working for Moet Hennessy. In fact, you've been essentially for years now. Mm-hmm. What do you actually do with the company? So I am currently the New York State Manager for Core Bubbles. Um, so that's essentially the foundation of our brand. So I work for the distributor is Empire Merchants. So, you know, we have two massive distributors in New York State. There's Southern and there's Moet. Um, Southern and Empire. And then, you know, there's some smaller ones, Winebow and Opeachy. Um, during the summer with the pandemic, uh, where I was responsible for all things Diageo and Moet Hennessy, Diageo left and went over to Southern Wines and Spirits, which was a really, really big hit for us. Um, but we decided we were going to just stick together and we formed something called our Freedom Division which is the first ever Moet Hennessy exclusive division in the United States. Um, so all things that fall under that Belvedere Vodka, um, Hennessy, obviously, Glenmorangie, um, a handful of wines. And then my role is Core Bubbles. So all things Chandon, which is our sparkling wine, sister company to Moet, um, all things Moet and all things Vovclico. So it, it's almost like a you've converted into a smaller portfolio that I guess would be better managed. Sometimes things get too big and it's very hard to manage everything with all the logistics that occur. But to say, all right, cool, you can leave and do your own thing. We're going to stay here as one solid unit and we're going to command things. So you don't necessarily, do you wind up losing a handful of accounts in that transition? You do. Um, and, And, you know, and it was definitely a process for us to sit through and figure out what accounts, you know, we were keeping. Obviously, when you're working with a company for so long, you have relationships. And a lot of this business is relationships. Um, but unfortunately, some of the accounts, because of the type of portfolio, they just didn't fit. You know, sadly, they just didn't fit into the portfolio because they're not doing champagne by the glass or, you know, they're. They are just serving well brands. Um, so it was definitely a tough challenge to really sit and look over the course of years where the business was um, and also the pandemic, you know, looking to see what accounts are still open, what accounts are even viable to help our, our new um, division survive. I could imagine that kind of being a nightmare, looking up what still exists. Like, where do you go to find that information up? Is somebody's job just manually calling up every single restaurant on Google to see if they exist? Um, so we did some work. Um, you know, and it was essentially a spreadsheet. It was an Excel spreadsheet. And it was, you know, you, you, you can't really just go up to your buyer in a restaurant and say, hey, how's business going? You know, are you guys still open? What, are you doing takeout? Because it's un- insensitive, you know. So you really had to tippy-toe and, and, and go lightly with it. Um, but I always, when I was managing my team at the time, um, when the pandemic first hit, I said, listen, you don't even have to leave your house, is the reality. Social media, digital, everything you can possibly need for the sheet you just go on your cell phone, you go on your laptop, your iPad, you look up what are the hours, like call, hey, what are your hours? Are you doing delivery? Um, you know, work smart, not hard kind of kind of thing. And that's, I mean, that's clever also. Like you just said, you don't want to just go hit guys in the face if they are, you know, on, on their last legs here, where are you still operational? Uh, and putting a spreadsheet together now, say, what area are you really covering here? Is this now all across U.S.? As far as my my particular role in well, general? As far or, as the brand in general where people are putting together a spreadsheet like this, everyone must internal. be managing so a it's different just, territory? It was just for Metro New York okay. at the time. Um, you know, Once Diageo moved over to Southern and we became just Freedom, a lot of the um, we have different teams. So we have an upstate team, um, which is essentially Putnam County North, up to like borderline, you know, kind of the rest of the state. And then it's you me. have your Metro. Putnam. <laughs> You have your Metro New York uh, team. So Metro New York is the boroughs, Westchester, and Long Island. So our in-house team is all Metro, is Metro New York. And then with my role, I cover, I do the management, the business management for the state. So in uh, something that's so largely scaled like this, like let's break down for someone young in this business uh, what the distributor's role is, because that's kind of the top tier. 
you're sitting here, every distributor has their own little portfolio of whatever they sell. And then from there, they disperse that into various sections or areas or territories Territory, is correct. really the word I'm looking for. Nah, I was going to get to it. Usually Justin <laughs> helps me. But from I'm, there... I'm letting you rock today. Yeah, okay. <laughs> from then going into the territories and that sub breakdown, this is where reps come in, where uh, typically or more old times, they're on the floor, they're on the ground, they're showing up to places. They're our first line of defense, the reps. You know, they're the ones, they're in the accounts every single day. You know, they're... If you look at it from a restaurant perspective, the first person you see when you walk into a restaurant is usually your hostess. That's your first line. So that's our reps, essentially. Um, they're the ones that are in the accounts every day. They're the ones doing the surveys. Um, you know, they're getting the orders. They're doing the tastings. They're doing the trainings for the most part. From there, from um, that's kind of where you would start coming into the company. You know, there's, there's other roles where if you don't want to go into sales-driven, um, we have something called account development specialists. And they're more behind the scenes. You know, sometimes they're helping to create these spreadsheets. Um, they're helping to create menus, um, feature cards, and doing more of the visibility component and the qualitative stuff. They're there to assist the sales team and, and make sell sheets uh, for the products. Are these graphic guys also then? Some. We have a graphics team that's a whole okay. other department. There's merchandising teams. Um, but on a sale, from the sales perspective, you have your reps. From there, you have a manager. Um, a rep usually will have their territory. So um, you know, it's, if you're in New York City, you know, a, a, as much as it would be nice to be in one particular area of the city, it's usually spread around so that you can have you know, a, a variety of accounts. You don't want to just have dive bars or nightclubs. You, know, you can't survive. You can't survive on that. Um, you don't want to just have you know, a, a giant account like, let's say, the Tau Group, because if that's the only thing under your base, God forbid anything happens to that, that restaurant group your entire run is wiped out. So there really is a Eggs mix. in a basket. And you want to have a really good skill set. You know, you want to be able to speak to high-end um, buyers, but you want to be able to be well-versed with the dive bars as well and, um, you know, nightclubs, whatever whatever, whatever it is. Um, so from there, then you have a manager. You'll have one manager for that territory, and usually a manager has anywhere from four to six reps under them. Uh, from there, you'll go and you'll have a director and the director's in charge of the team of managers for that specific division. Um, within each division, those, that breaks down with what supplier you're with. So my division, we are the Freedom Division. We only work with Moet Hennessy. Prior to becoming Freedom, we were um, the United Division. Um, and prior to that, Atlantic Wine and Spirits. But it was always Moet Hennessy and Diageo. And then the other side of Empire, we have sides. Yeah. <laughs> the other side is, you know, you have Empire Wine, Empire Spirits, and those guys represent, some of them, hundreds of different supply, smaller suppliers. You know, um, you have Brown Foreman on the other side, you know, your Jack Daniels, your Stolies of the world. Um, so it really does kind of mix up. And then from there, you go into... How about BC. the smaller brands? A lot of those, um, some of the smaller brands, it tends to be on the other side of the house. They don't get as much of attention, you know how your goals are set up for the year, it's the supplier, you, you know, the, the GM, they make the, the directors, they have all that conversation with suppliers. That these are the goals for the year. How are we going to break down those goals so that you meet your sales, your sales quota for the year? Luckily, um, I've been blessed the past almost 10 years to so work with some pretty heavy-duty brands. So those brands, when I was a rep, they got you in the door, whether someone wanted to talk to me or not because, you know, Joe's been my rep for 25 years. He does my orders. I'm like, yeah, but you need Kettle One or, you know, back then. And but you need this, and at least it got your foot in the door because you weren't going, you're not going to them with like, hey, I have this like orangeade flavored tequila. You know, that's that's where you hit them a little bit later. So that, I'm they touched on that because that always confused me with the different reps, especially when we trained. So in our, in our timeline for the restaurant, we were just a takeout restaurant for a while, and then we transitioned and opened the bar in a full service restaurant. So I had to kind of learn how to deal with the different reps and the distributors and all that stuff. I had some experience beforehand, but when we opened just a couple of years, but in between managing the country club and then, or the bar manager at the country club and then actually having doing the bar again. So things changed. And I remember, and I won't name names, but let's say, <laughs> let's say Rich was our rep. Right? Oh, Richie. <laughs> I was just making up names. <laughs> right? So let's, Me too. Let's, let's say Rich was our rep. And I would speak to him, and then someone else would come in and say, um, I'm, uh, let's say, Ralph from, from you know, whatever distributor. Oh, Ralph. <laughs> oh, poor Do you guys Ralph. actually know these people? I'm no, just, go ahead. All right. Make anyway. the story more interesting. Come on. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, he'd come in and say, well, I want to try to sell you this stuff. And then I would 
it would happen sometimes on the same day where I would speak to Rep A and then this guy would come in and I never and met all before. From the same distributor. Same distributor. And then be like, oh, I'm your guy now. And then I would call the guy I just spoke to an hour ago. Like, oh, this guy just came in and said, he's my guy now. He's like, no, I'll talk so to you him. you have multiple guys. This is my guy. Yeah. I'm, the guy. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. You have multiple. And, and, and just it, send me tequila. Yeah. <laughs> and you have multiple. And again, it, it goes into what division they're from and what portfolio they work work for. So if you're in Freedom Division, you're only pushing Freedom Division brands. You know, you're, if you're with Moet Hennessy, you're only pushing those brands because that's where you make your money. These guys are 100% commission. So they don't have, there's no base salary. So if they don't sell, they're not, they're not getting paid, you know? So I want to make sure I'm ABCs. selling you. I want to make sure, you know, if I'm working for Moet Hennessy. So they get no salary. No salary. Wow. So it's a little it's bit, it's a little bit intense um, where we should work together as a family and be like, oh, you're looking for a well whiskey. I don't have that. This is the whiskey I have in my portfolio, but my colleague, he has X, Y, and Z. Sometimes the reps don't, it's very cutthroat and they don't want to work that way. Sometimes you find a rep that you vibe with and you guys help each other, help each yeah. other out. I always looked at it as like, listen, like at the end of the day, we're empire. Like we have to work together, knock out the other guy, knock out, you know, knock out Southern, knock out OPG, knock out Winebow, and let's just look good and lock and load this store. And it's really finding your groove with the rep on the other side of the house. But again, it's commission. So it gets a little bit, it gets a little messy and a little like, I was a rep. I listen. I, That's what I felt when I was getting that on the same there. day. I was like, cool. <laughs> what is happening right now? You guys are on. And they know, you know, because right. their job as, as a manager, I've, I've done that role as well. As a manager, you give them, hey, I need you to make a route schedule. And on that route card, it shows the name of the place, the account number, who is the buyer, buyer contact information, what day they order generally, and what day is the best day to see them. You know. God forbid the rep is out sick or something happens and now the manager needs to go in and fill in for them or another rep needs to fill in temporarily. All that information is there and you're not losing any time with the account. Go back to, and I, I'm going to say this because being behind the bar, over the course of years, I've watched guys working alongside me throw in the towel on the bar side and go, all right, I'm going to join the rep side. I'm going to go sell for this company or this company. And it seems like... I've seen one of these rep managers so, steal one of my bartenders. <laughs> it I'm seems... Not, I'm not kidding. And then I stopped ordering from his company. You poached just... We've talked about this. Yeah, I poach, but I don't like being poached you from. You don't like being poached, yeah. So, but <laughs> time and time again, you see them leave to go do rep work and say, all right, I'm getting out of this business. I'm going to go on the other side of this business instead. And you see them work maybe for like a month, month and a half, and then they're just done with it. So my real question is, I, obviously you were there, you were doing rep work. It's hard in some senses, I could imagine. Extremely hard. But when you start, do you actually start with some minor book of business? Yes and no. So when you start, you're given your territory. So it's like, these are your accounts, you know, they're viable accounts. Um, this is what your territory is worth. Um, again, it's 100% commission. So your territory may be worth let's say $80,000 to make numbers easier. But commission, you're getting taxed at 50%. So technically, that 80,000 is now really 40,000. But if you're coming from working behind the bar or at a restaurant, you're used to that cash flow every single day where now you're getting a commission check every month. You know, you're getting a weekly draw to kind of offset a little bit, um, but it's difficult. And I think a lot of times going from one, you have to be hungry. You know, uh, it's our job to show the fun, you know, the tastings, the events, the, the drinks, the competitions. It's, it's our job. You, you guys get to see all the fun stuff. But why, there's so why, much why is that so behind. important to be shown, though? Is it because sex sells? <laughs> Just we, <laughs> have, we, we your, have this argument. That's your thing. Dude. No, sex I, definitely sells. So, I, I mean, it's He's there's so an allure of what we see on our side of things where it's like, Oh, Jazz is out partying over here, just running up a tab on the company card. And, you know, obviously you're I doing think, business. Yeah, I think it, it does sell. But I think at the end of the day, you also want people to have a good memory of your brand. You yeah. want to sell that brand, you know. And it's if I'm out with my friends and I'm like, you know what, let's go. We're, guys, we're going to go have dinner. Like we're going to now that I'm doing champagne. Hey, I'm doing a dinner at, at a modern you know, we're Mimarinic. We're I'm going to Mono. We're going to do a dinner. We're going to have some champagne. Like my job is, smokehouse. is to entertain you guys, like Same. to make sure that you, you guys, that you guys that? have a good time. And that when you leave now, you're going out and when you're out with your friends, you're going to, you see every time you see Moet or you see Vov Clicquot, you're going to remember, oh my gosh, we had such a great dinner when we were there. We had such an event. Like 
you know, it's kind of that same perception. A drink, a fancy drink going out is going to sell more than just the regular drink in a cup because people are like, what is that? You know, plating, plating, you know, the way you plate your food. Yeah, you can put french fries on a plate, but if you're jazzing it up and it looks like this beautiful golden tower of fries, you know, sprinkled with cheesy, dusty goodness, like people are going to want that. It's an extra three or four dollars. Exactly. So it's kind of we, when we do these events, you know, we're very, very specific. Our supplier is very specific as to what the criteria is because we want to make sure that our brands are shown in in a certain light. And then get the gatekeepers, you know, our bartenders. We want you guys pouring our brands. Oh, of course, that, yeah. And the guys that just come on, they just start, they transition from the bar side, they get their, their book of business that they could go hit this guy, hit this guy, this hit this guy. They maybe know how much they typically order possibly from that list mm-hmm. that you just explained a second ago. And is it then kind of up to them to build their own book of business Absolutely. within their territory? Absolutely. So you always want to grow. You know, they have their monthly goal, their monthly and their annual goals of growth. You know, we say, oh, grow 7%. In my mind, I knew, okay, this is what my this is what my bills are. This is the lifestyle I like. This is how much money I need to bring. And it was a, it's a formula, you know. And, yeah, I can go and be an order taker. Okay, I know that every three weeks you order six bottles of Kettle One. But I'm going to come to you and be like, listen, like, I know you do six bottles rough, you know, in a month. In a year you're doing X, Y, and Z. You know, this is where your savings, if you buy in bulk, you know, this is where your savings can be. And then you would say, you know, I really don't need all of that vodka. What am I going to do with it? I'm like, listen, you're saving $10 a bottle. That's $1,200 by the 10 case deal. It's, it's math. It's a formula. With that $1,200, think of what you can, what else you can buy. That's essentially free, free booze for you for the next, your next month. On average, you're ordering $1,200, let's say. You're saving that money. And then my job would be as a rep to come in and say, okay, listen, let's train your staff. We're going to train your staff. We're going to do cocktail features. Let's help move it through. What do you need me to do to help you move that product within legal compliance? That's a whole nother. When you have a book of business and you're saying that you would expect them to build out the book, take White Plains, for example, and for those listening further out of town, it's a small building city. How many people are in White Plains in the day? Like 500,000, was it? Close? Something like that. You have no grasp of <laughs> That was the last known number that I had. It's like 500,000 people. I didn't just make this up. Yeah, you did. No. There's like 70,000, 60,000 people Residents. in White Plains. Yeah. But during the working day, it, it used uh, to go up far not, bigger. Not 500,000. Like, we'll for double, instance, Yonkers. We'll double check the numbers. Yonkers is the biggest city in Westchester, and their population is 250,000, and their day pop is like a buck fifty, And that's the biggest city. Okay, so there. take this growing city. Population and is 58,000. That's population. I'm talking about people working yeah, Look within. at the day pop. Is that on So there, with that said, though, a, a town that's kind of built out already where the business is there, and it's not likely to see many bars pop up in that area, how big could these territories be where somebody could continue building out their book? It can, it, it's, it's the world's your oyster with it. It's your business. And there's no stepping on somebody else's foot if... No, I mean, you have your brand. So, I mean, if let's say someone's pouring mum you know my job is I want to go in there I want to knock mum out by the glass I want them you know I'm going to ask questions hey do you move through how much mum do you move through do you is your clientele ordering a lot of champagne by the glass where is that opportunity do you mind me asking like roughly what price you pay me while I know what what they pay because we have access through beverage media and 750 um you know I want to ask those type of questions do you have a big champagne crowd and then I want to go and knock mum out and get moet by the glass so now I've grown my business in that account because I knocked out the competition. Moet has a much better name than Mum. People know Moet. People associate Moet with cele- celebrations and parties. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit different. You know, when you start having something that is a name brand on your list, that cocktail sells itself. That drink sells itself on its own just because of the name. And then if you start doing things to make it Instagrammable and so you know fit for social media and doing the trainings, you'll start seeing and generating those sales. Are there are there baseline numbers you can identify to say, I walk into account they're they're pouring X amount of, you know whatever kind of champagne or, whatever, that's X amount. Is there a baseline number you say, it's not worth my time to try in here? It's always or, worth your time because okay. you don't know. Like you we don't, don't sell any champagne, for instance. Yeah, so I feel that um, you never know. 
And I think a lot of times, you know, when I walk into somewhere, so with my brands with Core Bubbles, it, sh- it starts Chandon, which is a sparkling wine. It's the sister brand to Moet, made exactly the same way, Champagne Method, same grapes, um, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and Meunier, except it's made in Napa versus being made in Champagne, France. Um, so they can't be called Champagne, but it's our right. stepping stone. It's our entry level. Um, so, you know, I'll have people say, I can't, you know, champagne doesn't move here. So then I said, well, what about brunch? Do you do sparkling? You know, and I always say, give me three months. All I need is three months. And in three months, you can really gauge if that product's going to work for you. And we start small. And then you come in, you try it. We do staff trainings, multiple staff trainings. Because I feel like sometimes you have to have that, you always have to have liquid to lips. But it takes a couple of times for your staff to really get a brand and to really kind of, relate to it and build a relationship with that brand and then we sit and we start making cocktails with it and maybe we say listen let's do we're going to do a happy hour we're going to do a dinner you know right now with the pandemic it's difficult we can't do those type of events and those tastings but that's how we would build that business to help you not only you're going to take the product in but to help you sell through it and next thing you know like you're selling sparkling like crazy that you were never selling before and then you have that option to build up and to off now have a champagne offering you know, and, and we think of ideas. How would champagne work? How can we make champagne? Like champagne and fried chicken. That's exactly what I was about fantastic. to say. Champagne and fried chicken. That's yeah. what you got to do. Champagne Is that and French thing? fries. Yeah, 100%. Yes. After the champagne. brisket thing, we'll talk. Champagne and fried chicken. Champagne That's and fried chicken, champagne and onion rings, champagne and French fries are, are huge. The pairings. Like I didn't umami, even realize umami. that was a thing. There's so much that you can do with champagne. So a lot of times I'll sit um, with the chef of a place too. I'm like, let's talk. Let's do a pairing. And, you know, we'll offer a pairing and we'll have a feature card on the men, you know, on your bar or your, now it's everything's QR codes, but there'll be a feature where it's, you know, a glass of X, Y, and Z sparkling or champagne with this appetizer or this dish. How much does brunch help specifically in the selling of champagne? Uh, You know, so many places have these brunch parties on Sunday and they really push like a Friday night, Saturday night crowd out to do brunch and, and, brunch, and brunch like that's relatively new too like correct in the last 10 years a right? majority of um alcohol a majority of the alcohol sales for brunch is typically sparkling it's about i think it's about 72 percent of the sales are from sparkling whether it's prosecco cava champagne you know obviously the nightclubs and some of these bigger places are known for their champagne um i always try to go i love i love champagne so i'm very lucky to be in a position uh that i'm in but um, it's it's a majority is sparkling, and I I think also too we saw a rise of drinks that were prepared in coupe glasses topped with champagne over the course of the last few years too, which adds a whole nother nice you, dynamic to it. You love that coupe glass. I I do you I do. do I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I almost feel like big on glassware. I feel like we're gonna have this like roaring twenties again when we finally get through this vaccination situation where we can go back out again. And I was just telling my girlfriend, I said, you know what? I'm so pumped that we're together like this, where we're kind of just like shut down on the couch for, we've actually been on the couch together three times as long as then we were in a relationship out of the couch. <laughs> so what I was saying to her was, we don't, we haven't gone on you dates. You need to find some things like, to do. <laughs> don't know what that's like. You know what I mean? Well, no, I'm, I'm obviously we do things, but... I'm just saying that once we're back out to be able to go out and do fun things, it's like a whole nother side of the relationship. And I wonder how many other people are doing things similar like that or feel that way, where it's like, God, I can't wait to go out and do this again. Or I can't wait to go out and eat like a regular fucking person. Like, I want that back. So, and I think the people that are going out, they're, they're looking for those new experiences. And, that, you know, they're so used to just being trapped at home. They're not going out to eat every day. They're not going to work where they're buying lunch every day. So they have a little bit more disposable income. So now when they are going out, they're willing to upsell and buy that nicer bottle of wine or that nicer bottle of champagne. And they're not afraid to spend $15, $20 on a cocktail. You know, think about all the people when you're in the city, the cost of drinks in the city. You know, I, I work with reps out in the city and my bills $500. I have the same exact thing in Westchester or out in Long Island or forget even upstate. Upstate, it's like $2. You know, it, it, it's such a, a price difference. I think people are a little bit more inclined to spend and they want that experience, you know. So where I fall in is I'm trying to sell that experience now. I'm trying to teach the reps 
to have that experience and let's sell an experience. To go is a really big opportunity right now. So we're trying to work and build on to go opportunities where you're having this experience at home, whether it's via Zoom, you know, Zoom classes and webinars are huge. Um, and working with someone to do something for Valentine's Day, it's a, or, you know, Galentine's they call it, where it's a sampling. So we're tasting through our sparkling portfolio and they'll have a charcuterie platter with that. And then we just talk and, you know, shoot the shit and, and talk about what makes sparkling different from champagne and why trade up. And you're saying this is over Zoom? So it's usually over Zoom. Yeah, Zoom or um, Microsoft Teams. And this is within company or? So I work with very, I work with my accounts with the restaurants. So the, the sales rep will tell me the opportunity or just relationships that I have with friends in the business. And they'll say, hey, would you be willing to do X, Y, and Z? I'm like, yeah, why not? In that event, then, are you mailing a sampling box to somebody or? So the account, the restaurant sets that up um, fully. So we give them, you know, some, we give them like little tchotchkes that they can have in there. Um, Moet has these really great golden goblets. So we do things like goblets. Sometimes there's t-shirts, sunglasses, you know, things that we would utilize if we were doing an Mm in-house promotion, a giveaway, a takeaway. And the restaurant itself puts together the box and the guest goes and picks that up from them. Considering that the wintertime, at least in our northeast area here, is completely different than the summertime, you've already been talking within the company how to survive through the winter and keep sales going on. And I would think that you're really talking about the summertime, though, and really how to kill it at this point, because we kind of expect to see what we saw last year, where everyone's outside. But earlier. But earlier at this point. Yeah, correct. And... Are those talks kind of already taking, uh, I guess, fruition where we're saying, all right, this is how we're going to attack the summer? Are there grand plans and things that we should be seeing within our restaurants that... Yes. So on my side, um, from a business and supplier side, we kind of see our plan a year out, which is a new approach. You know, sometimes, you know, we, we had to change. You can't become complacent. Like even in a restaurant, you always have to change. Because our days are changing. Everything is changing in our world around us every single day. So we look at things, and I present to our sales force um, quarterly. So we know that coming in March, we have X, Y, and Z program. Then we know, okay, once once mid-February is here, we want to start talking about spring and the opening of the outdoor. People are going to go outside. How are we going to be able to get our brands front and center? You know, brunches. Brunches are big. So what are we starting to do? I'm starting to focus on the brunch at home occasion. So I want to work with restaurants that are going to say, hey, this is Chandon Rosé. It's our sparkling. We're going to do a brunch pairing. Um, and then here's a card with QR code. Here's some menus. This will take you to the, the link so that you can find out more about the brand. Um, here's some recipes that, of uh, batch cocktails that you could do at home utilizing the sparkling. Um, and then hopefully that will lead us so we're front and center. Um, it's also the first time that we've ever done like a multi-brand approach. So what we're doing, it's a full 360 visibility. So whatever you're seeing at the retailer, at your liquor stores, those brands will be marketed onto our on-premise as well. So for the first time, our off-premise and our on-premise are aligned with the same exact program for visibility. So you're scrolling, you go into your local liquor store, you see the display, Chandon, Moet, Vov Clico, and you see it everywhere. It's in the cold box, it's on the shelf, it's, it's, um, there's, a, there's a full case display. Next thing you, you know, you scan the QR code because it's like, oh, save money. You answer the questions. Next thing you know, you go to your local restaurant. What's on the menu? Those brands or one of those brands is on the menu. Then you're on social media because, you know, our phones, Big Brother's always watching. All of a sudden you're seeing (laughs) pop-up ads for these brands. And then you're seeing the ad on television. It's this full digital three. It's in your face that it's going to have those brands. So we're looking at it in that perspective. So brunch, um, when warmer weather, brunch to go picnic. Picnics to go will be really, really big. Movie nights, doing things like that. And we, we've discussed in the past you, as you well. You know we're all going to get hit with that. Yeah. Ad. <laughs> right after, like when we're done talking, you're going to pick up your phone you're and gonna it's going to be right there. Scroll through it. Because she said it out loud. <laughs> I think but I'm going to go get some uh, we've, beef click and make some fried chicken. We discussed also, though, and you were, I think, using it at some point, where you were using the geotag fencing. To we be did. able to target somebody. Yeah, we somebody. did some geofencing stuff. So although using the QR code is free and people are using QR codes now because they're here, I'm pointing at the table. They're where all there's geotagged, a- though. Everything is geotagged. So you guys are already advertising the people that are going into probably brunch spots anyway and targeting those people. And I think right now it is, you know, I can't speak directly for the supplier because that's more on the supplier side. But, you know, a lot of it is collecting the data. You know, if you scan the QR code, it takes you to the perfect gift and it'll say... 
save $10 on the purchase of X, Y, and Z. Now you're in your store, you're entering your information, your age, and now they're getting all the data that they need, the demographics of the shopper, sure. you know, who's going to be more inclined. And everything is digital, you know, and, and it's a way we have to teach our older consumers, you know. My, my dad doesn't even own a cell phone. You know, we're trying to teach the older consumer, hey, gone are the days of the takeaway paper coupon or gone are the, the, the days of the paper, you know, the paper menu. Now everything is digital. You have to go on Facebook, Pop. Like, you have to go on, you have to learn how to, like, turn the computer on. You know, everything that we're doing now is digital. How many accounts have you walked into through your lifetime being in the accounts and just seeing that lack of uh, knowledge that, the digital era is here and it's starting to take over and some guys wow. that were just stuck in the old and refuse to conform to the new and is that something that kind of hurts every business or there's some businesses that just doesn't affect at all and um there are some businesses that i think they're they're such well-oiled machines that they'll probably never do digital they'll never do takeout you know they have their set clientele they've been around forever um i have seen so many accounts that don't partake in social media that now with the pandemic are going and, and on social media because it's the only way that they'll survive. You know, um, it's something that I've talked to accounts till I was blue in the face before the pandemic. You know, when I was a rep uh, eight years ago, it was something that, you know, you have to, it's free advertising. You know, you, you're paying all of this money, but you could be doing your own content. And I always got the same thing. Oh, I don't have time. I'm too busy. I don't have time. Well, who's your head bartender? Who's your hostess? Like assign three people, you know, can chef take some photos, assign three people in your establishment. And they're kind of the gatekeepers of your content, of your content, you know, set some guidelines. And then how many times do you sit there in the bar? There's nobody there at lunch, you know, instead of them, they're on their phones anyways. So right. why not just say, hey, listen, let's do this. Or maybe throw them an extra couple dollars, you know, instead of paying this marketing company. But it's so important to go, I to actually go digital. I actually annoy them at the end of the night because a lot of times we're done and they think it's time to clean up and I'll make them. Say, Don't break down the bar yet. We're going we're gonna to make a few tip t TikTok videos first. And, it's, you know, <laughs> and it's we spend crazy, the next half works. hour doing that. <laughs> it works. And even if you make, you know, if you have a competitive staff, I think a lot too in the hospitality business. You know, I started in the restaurant business. Oh my gosh. In 1997. And I think... It's so different seeing people from then to people now. I think a lot for of people sure. go into the bar business. They're like, I just want that quick dollar. They don't want to do the work for it. People are lazy, you know, and I think we have to like get them out of it. And if you have a competitive team, you know, whoever makes the most posts, this is, hey, this is a new brand that we're selling. Whoever gets the most likes in the next two weeks on I think a you post, tried that for a while, right? you have an internal contest yeah. with them. And then, you know, maybe they win a bottle or, or, or something. We you try know? to do that all the time and we'll see. Half, half the staff kills it, and a couple just don't do it at all, and then kind of know who's who's making the who's effort. A team who's, player, but it's a team. Yeah. At the end you of the day, you have to be a team on. player. Yeah. In, internal sure. competitions work all the time, yeah. and you know we used to do them at Black Bear. Whoever had the high sales gets an extra fifty bucks at the end of the night well, on get Friday to, or Saturday. You, get, you either get your sales up. You, it works two folds because you get your sales up, and you also identify who's not invested or who's not. Sure, completely. But before we go, I want to. Tack back a little bit. Some of you said when we switched it to go, and to go became a major player with the COVID thing, which it did obviously for restaurants too. Made a big difference over the summer, especially before we were able to open up. I had a huge, like, I was very confused by the moves a lot of distributors made early on because there was a big rush for everybody to lay off all the staff. I'm not talking about just distributors, literally everybody restaurants even outside the restaurant industry like everybody just laid off everybody and everybody was unemployed the first two months and then pivot started happening we kind of figured out starting how to navigate and stuff like that but that to go sales stuff came out pretty quickly and i got very frustrated with distributors locally that continued to hold layoffs on a lot of the sales especially the reps and i was like not able to get things we needed to get because we needed to pivot so we've changed obviously several times but we made a quick pivot okay i need as much stuff as packaged for it to go as i could possibly get in here in the initial thing because i'm not sure how we're doing this but i know i can sell like a small bottle of wine right like let's say i want to sell 
a whole bottle of wine is harder to sell than one person ordering a burger but might buy like a little bottle. Mm -hmm. But I can't talk to anybody because they laid off all the reps. <laughs> and I'm like, who do I talk to? And then I will, I will throw this name out, like my boy Derek. You know Derek, right? He always like helped me out. And even now, I'll still text him. He's still laid off. And I'll still text him and he'll still help me, whatever. <laughs> and again, I think that kind of comes into laziness as well. Like, you know, when I was furloughed at that time, I was a manager. So my team, like we still spoke at my team, like my team of guys, like I adore them. Like they, they're, my, they're my family. And, you know, those guys are so customer service driven that even if they had an account call them, they're like, listen, I'm furloughed, but let me help you connect you to like customer service or here's the information. Right. But again, a lot, I think the, it comes into laziness. Um, the mentality was kind of like, well, I'm not working. I'm not getting paid. I, I don't even know if I'm coming back to a job. Right. Um, a lot of that, I know within us, everything was being relayed to the directors. So all, everything was getting filtered to the directors. And they were probably so the getting overwhelmed. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, the directors, they're not, they're not in the streets, so they don't really know the accounts. But the reality was we couldn't bring people back because there were no sales coming. There were no sales coming in. Um, and to give you a perfect example, um, I have a sales rep that I'm very close with and they're, they have a killer territory in the city. I mean, this territory brings in probably close to $5 million in sales on just our portfolio and our alone, just our brands alone, our Moet Hennessy brands, forget about the other side of empire. Um, and this year in 2020, that exact territory did $330,000 in sales. That's, that's a, so it's that's a, a big really year. big, you know, so we, you know, you, you still have salaries that you need to pay. Our customer service was still working. The drivers were still working HR, you know, more of those office people, business managers like myself, um, they were still, they were all still working, but it was the people in the street, you know, for safety, they weren't working, but as there's also no, no business right. coming in. Do you, do you think there was a, a good amount of sales, potentially lost by not having the representation because i now it's kind of uh, we've yes settled no. in but yes and no um i think and i say no for the reason that i think so many people were just trying to figure out how they were going to keep the lights on that they were sitting and going through the product that they had so maybe you've been sitting on the same flavored vodka for six months now all of a sudden you're like shit i need to come up with something creative i need to move this out and even if i charge five dollars a drink and i get 20 drinks out of that bottle that's still a hundred dollars you know right. so i think it was people weren't buying and again it's back to the the reps it's back to the reps making commission you know if you are only buying one bottle of vodka for 32 dollars and the reps commission is three percent what is he really making on that bottle? Like right. it doesn't make any sort of sense. They have to move cases in order to really, in, in order to see so anything. Might not even be worth it for the reps yeah. to come back, even for the rep side. Yeah, and we didn't bring back a lot. I mean, sadly, a lot of people were not brought back. I mean, I want to say, I and I could be wrong. About fifty percent of our of our company was not brought back, and you had guys that were in the company for twenty plus years. That was their life, and they. They were they were big writers and they just weren't brought they weren't brought back and these people have families yeah. you know I had to reapply for my my job you know we were furloughed and it was like okay listen we're only bringing there's 25 of you we're bringing 14 of you back you know and and I had choice like I you guys know me I am a very vocal person like I I am just not a wallflower at all like I say what I need to say um, and it was frustrating you know I have two small kids at home and. I'm like, you know, you guys blow all this smoke up my ass. Like, you say that I'm good at what I do, but I have to re like, send my resume and re-interview and reapply. And, all, you know, and then next thing you know, you're hearing that your colleagues are getting verbal offers, which they weren't supposed to. And you're like, whoa, wait a minute. I've been here longer than this guy, and he got a verbal offer. And then you're like, shit, I'm not getting, a, like, I'm not getting my job back. Um, and there was a lot of that going, a lot of that going on. And, you know, and... Yeah, I had my choice, my choice words. I'm like, listen, buddy, like, I'm not someone's second choice. Like, either you want me to come back or not. And again, I was blessed. I was lucky. I came back in a bigger, in a bigger role. And I guess that was the plan for me. But so with all like, with all the data that now exists, I feel like it's all thrown off with COVID because, like you just said, you're talking about a territory that's worth five million into three hundred and thirty thousand. That skews all the numbers on all the charts. And it's not like you can just go back and look at pre-COVID numbers necessarily anyway, even into the future. 
considering we're in a whole different ball game now and it's no longer the same as it once was. Yeah, like estimate how much of the how much of the portfolio has been eliminated for lack of a better word. What do you mean? Like uh, sales in general? No, like the businesses don't exist anymore, right? So, so and it's always changing, thing. you know, and that and that's the thing. It's constantly changing. Right now, our New York City, our our reps for the boroughs on premise, they're pretty much just home. You know, they're they're surviving. They're they're having phone calls, you know, with with their accounts and trying to help them get through. Let's do takeout. You know, it was a holiday season. Let's put together a holiday bundle, a Thanksgiving take home package, um, New Year's Eve at home. You know, and th- there have been some really great packs that were put out. Um, but right now it's, it's a waiting game and we don't know, like, I, I can't sit here confidently and say that in three weeks, all of those reps will still have a, a job. Right. And we're, cause we're still seeing the numbers dwindle. Yeah. Of- I, I do think that when the hiring starts though, back again, it will be back towards summer when everyone's outside. Yeah. We'll get back to the positive again. and thinking and, about, yeah. thinking about this, the summer we got to, and my, our projection is we have about two months until we get back to the nice weather and we start pushing in for the summer. And we're very excited about the spring summer of this year because A, we'll be able to go back outside in April and not July. So you get that extra three months. And it's gonna be bigger and better than ever before. And I feel like- This is gonna be the best I feel like people are ready to get back outside. I think we also know what to expect a little bit more. Kind of, you know, when the pandemic hit, everyone was trying to figure out like, how do I have my outdoor set up? How am I going to make this work? You know, time constraints. There was so much that we were all just trying to figure out together. And I think everyone has kind of found their niche and everyone's perfected what was wrong. It was like, that was 2020 was like the trial run right. of what greatness is. Now gonna we be know what we're going to do. Let's, let's execute it. For sure. What words would you have for reps that are going to be getting onto their feet as summer does come and how to be successful in their job? I would definitely say you have a patience. It's it, it, you have to have the patience for it and be prepared. Like you always have to be prepared and have a plan, whether it's your plan A, B, C, D, because things aren't always going to go the way you would like for them to go. But it's really being able to adjust and don't be set in stone. Like I'm a creature of habit. I'm I like things a certain way. You have to be able to adapt and you have to be okay with that. You know, um, just because you get you don't get a sale or someone tells you no it's going to happen as people as, as restaurants are starting to get back on their feet someone's going to tell you no but it's not no it's just not right now like i always just say no is just short for not right now like revisit it why do you think they said no like help that person help that account move through what they have and that's a conversation i give my old rep like that's something that i tell my old reps like listen i know right now you're not getting the sale how can you help them move through what they have? Why don't you help them with their beverage program? Add a little value on how they can make money. Help them with social media. Send them digital content so that, hey, you guys are sitting on a bunch of Moet or you guys are sitting on a bunch of Belvedere. Here's some beauty shots. Here's some t- hashtags. Here's some social media content that you guys can post. But be willing to adapt. And you have to be flexible. What are you, what are you, most, what are you most excited for this year, this summer, brand-wise? We are launching a new, um, a new uh, kind of brunchy style sparkling. So I'm super excited for that. And I think a lot of um, what I get to do is the creative part. So the supplier will say, these are your goals. This is what you need to work on. This is somewhat the program. Um, and I get to kind of make that my own and pitch it. So I'm really looking forward to doing the creative and looking at things instead of as a sales approach, more of a marketing being that we can't do these tastings and these big events we used to, how do I help you guys with the marketing aspect? You know, so now you're not paying a marketing team to help you. Like, how can we add value? Is this sparkling you're talking about the one that goes with the fried chicken? No. Okay. This is more of a brunchy, but we can definitely sit and talk about, I love, I always drink Vov Clico Yellow Label um, with truffle fries. That's kind of one of my, one of my favorites. Years back, just did put Wait, in. Can I just? What is it about the two that pair together? Because I've not. This is new to me. So I've, it's the maybe. flavor profile. Um, like some champagnes, you want something a little bit fatty, because it'll cut on the acidity of the of the sparkling or the champagne that you're drinking. So it's really going to pull out the flavor of that fry and just pull out like that's you want that saltiness and that richness to really pull out the full flavors of the champagne. All right. We'll have there to come go. in. I'll come back and we will. I'll bring some bubbles and we'll have some fried chicken and fries. Sounds good. <laughs> I was going to say, years back, Jess did do the first Westchester Bullet Bar competition. 
and it, that was kind of cutting edge at that point too. But when she's talking about putting, we got events, we got hose in that event. Yeah, when she's talking about putting we events together, the though, best cocktail we'll like you got to just respect that because it's not just a small event. She's doing serious work over here. Yeah, and that that event was about a three month project. You Insane. know, we weren't working with a very large budget. Um, you know, they'll say to me, "Hey, you have two grand to make an event happen," and then I need to pull all of my resources and say, "Okay, what account can I go to that's going to let me throw essentially take over their bar?" And their staff and everything for two thousand uh, dollars or five thousand, whatever whatever the budget is, and you really have to work with the right the right person on it. Um, there are a lot of moving, a lot of moving pieces. And again, it's not you know the reps doing their part; they're not getting paid any extra. But it's the visibility, it's the marketing behind it, and people still talk that event. I just looked that up; that was in two thousand November of two thousand sixteen. Yep. Um, and that event we packed. It was a Monday night, and we had about a hundred and twenty guests in the in the location on a monday night um you know it was it was a wash essentially for the account but they got so much publicity they got so many new people into the place um we did an ugly sweater event there this past winter as well not this last winter uh 2019 we did a Mm -hmm. big event there that was about 150 people again bar takeover it was a multi-brand approach instead of just one brand i mean it was a killer killer event and people had we threw a killer ugly sweater party. Um, you know, so I like the fact that now with my new role, I get to do, get a little bit more creative. So now I'm starting to think, what can we do outdoors? You know, maybe if someone has an outdoor space, it's a movie night where you have a projector. You know, there's different things and it's a basket with, you know, your sandwiches and your bottle of champagne. There's so many different things that we, we can do. Do you think that the budgeting is going to change a little bit considering we we didn't do anything for so long is there more money allocated at that point Um, to do cool things i think you know i don't want to say that there's more or less but we're just able to do a lot less so i think we just have to be a little bit smarter with the budgeting and it has to make it has to make the right sense you kind of have to get the biggest bang for your buck now just because we don't know tomorrow we've learned that this past year tomorrow's not guaranteed in, in this world you know, we don't know with the ever-changing laws and the rules. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow if the accounts will be open or if they're going to be closed. Um, so, you know, there's there's always some wiggle, some wiggle room. I'm in charge, you know, I do that with my role too. So a lot of it's budgeting. They're like, this is your budget for the year. All right, these are like the busy months. This is kind of where I see this is I want this budget for events. Again, it's going to the right, finding the right opportunity. Ladies and gentlemen. Jessica Hajastilianos. Thank Got you. Got it? Crushed yeah, it? Yeah, you crushed Boom. it. Locked it in. Guys, don't forget to smash that like and subscribe button because, you know, algorithms. <laughs>